Welcome everyone to the Inhumans podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody here today to bring you our thoughts about the entire Inhuman series. Indeed, Pete, before we jump on in, just want to note, of course, Punisher starts tomorrow. We will be podcasting that on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, as well as the Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek feed. So check the places from which you get such feeds, and uh, your device will be will be filled to the brim with Punisher goodness. Also, Pete, the Distinguished Competition has a movie coming out this weekend, too, don't they? They do. I have seen Justice League. Matt will see it some point this weekend, and we will be bringing you that as well. In addition to Runaways coming to Hulu, the first three episodes on Tuesday, November 21st, we don't have an idea what time of day those are going to happen, but we will be bringing you the first episode, which we have already seen on uh, Tuesday the 21st, in addition to drawing the winner of our Funko Pop giveaway. Uh, A little bit more on that later in the podcast. Last but certainly not least, The Mothership returns Friday, December 1st. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Agents in Space! And I think there's just such an effervescence toward this season a season that we uh i think we all feel lucky to have gotten and if this is the final one fingers crossed that it isn't hopefully diz flicks when they when disney gets that's all that off the floor they renew uh agents of shield for for five nay ten more seasons but i just feel free i think a lot of fans just feel free to get this season and see what wacky wonderful and weird adventures the agents have in space Definitely. In addition to that, we have started a another feed on iTunes. This is number 13, <laughs> the Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek, exclusively for the Marvel Studios films, all 17, all in one place. Thor Ragnarok, the latest, just another place where you can check out our stuff. Well, Pete, let's dig into this eight-episode offering of Inhumans. It started, as, as I think we noticed in la- noted in last week's podcast, you and I saw it in IMAX on the last day of the summer, shorts and t-shirts, heat in the air. Here it is now, the middle of November, a coolness, a crispness, temperatures in the Northeast, dipping beneath freezing some nights. So we've gone through the seasons with Inhumans. Pete, what were we over the moon for? What's at the top of your list? I have to say the absolute highlight uh, for me of Inhumans was Lockjaw. Um, And I think a lot of people would tend to agree with that. Um, Is it an expensive effect? Is it something we didn't get enough of? Certainly left wanting more. Um, And, and, if there's to be a renewal and I think we're very heavily, um, you know, uh, handicapping that at this point, given the rocky road, this entire project has had, um, that's got to hope to be something that would be even more prominent with Lockjaw. But, uh, that would be number one at the top for me. For me in a show that, uh, that, 
shall we say, had its problems as it aired. Uh, to me, the the thing that I was most over the moon for was its presentation of strong and independent women. Uh, Medusa, top of the list, certainly someone who uh, whose powers were taken away early on, uh, who still was able to to survive. Still, she persisted, Pete, uh, despite having lost her power. She used her grit, her self-determination, her wisdom, her compassion, her intelligence, uh, and indeed her her willingness to uh, to to work with others, recruit others, be a leader. Uh, I think too of Louise, who perhaps was never fully formed outside of the the uh, the bumbling lady scientist stereotype, but certainly someone who was intelligent in her own right and who uh, who had a nice character arc. Even Pete, we Crystal, though though she could not get out of those teen years in her character presentation still someone who was earnest in trying to improve herself improve uh the the world improve the moon around her and uh and and someone who attempted to take her own destiny into her own powerful hands ken leung's uh karnak is certainly a bright spot for me as well it's funny i will now think of him in this role more than anything else he's done. And I think as a performer, he really brought his a game to try to rescue a production that, I mean, let's be honest, has a lot of faults. Um, you, you look back and it all began with that picture, Matt, it all began with the picture with the wig. Um, and you think that it's November, 2017 now, year ago this time we were just getting the news wow and humans goes from the marvel movie slate to the marvel tv slate and there was a lot of anticipation and you all go back to that photo there that kind of let a lot of air out of the balloon and they were never able to recapture it but um ken lung karnak completely enjoyed Every minute he was on the screen, pot farm subplot included. As we wrap up all this positive love, I have to mention, Pete, I thought that it was uh, it was nice to see Hawaii on my television screen again. I, I must admit, I don't watch the 5-0. I don't watch the MacGyver, which may or may not be part of the same universe, although I don't think they film in Hawaii. But it was just nice having the 50th state back on the TV after uh, so much time spent with Lost. And uh, Pete, I will echo what you said about the pot farm story, though it was a ridiculous amount of time dedicated towards what at the end of the day was a narrative dalliance that was just allowing Karnak to, to keep time until he was needed in the rest of the narrative. I have never had more fun podcasting something that was letting me down truly i've never had more fun than those sections to see just the the depth with which they were showing the angst of the wacky tobacco farmers honing their skill to get that devil's parsnip it was it was bananas but it was fun let's talk about what brought us back to earth matt yeah, um, cardboard cutout storylines that seemed to be good ideas in a writer's room but were never fully fleshed out, to me, is the overarching issue that has plagued 
these seven episodes. I think of Dave and Veterinarian Girl. That would be Audrey, Matt, and I'll add another human to the Inhumans, that of Jen, the erstwhile uh, lady at the, the the weed cultivation area. Um, where did they all go at the end of the show? Because I know the, all the Inhumans wound up on Earth, but apparently only Louise mattered. Well, that's just it, is there's all these potential arcs that – I think if we had Scott Buck here, first of all, we'd have some choice words for him. But then I think we would, <laughs> he would say, well, we're saving these things for season two. Okay. Um, Get a season two. Yeah. Like you need to service these characters now. And the notion that Karnak had this, this uh, tender toward love affair with Jen, uh, was I swept away by the romance of it? Did it take me back to when love was new? Perhaps not. It was entertaining. Um, side note. As somebody who likes to see uh, powerful women displaying their intelligence, their wit, their grace, um, slightly weird that Jen appeared to be there mostly for cheesecake shots, and you know, and well, we'll just leave it at that. Um, but I digress. Where's that? Could we have picked that up in the end? I guess not. Um, so I was convinced beyond anything else that uh, Dave and Crystal would reconnect in the end somehow, even if it was just him, you know, not knowing how things would would have ended. Is it Dave looking up at the moon saying, does my does my moon girl still live up there? That would have been nice to have him back. Instead, they just disappear. So there's kind of this robotic function here where pieces are moved around to make other pieces move, not because there's an attempt to approximate human emotion. I think your uh, biggest fault for me is a function of the larger whole. And if I had one wish, Matt, if I was standing on Hawaii looking up at the stars and I saw one fall and it wasn't an inhuman coming to um, the island of Oahu, I would make a wish on it that inhumans could go back through Terragenesis a second time. And Scott Buck wouldn't be in the little booth chamber. <laughs> and I mean, it's all ultimately unavoidable. Uh, and it's something we have to address, which is narratively, this show was a disappointment. At no time did the majority of characters really feel like they were coming alive. We spent the entire eight episodes not only not being sure ourselves of how we felt about Maximus, who was the villain, but not being clear how the show wanted us to feel about Maximus, which is the larger sin. If you're going to offer up a complex villain who um, perhaps you're doing social commentary because he's, he's approximating justice for the underclass or the perceived underclass, and that's a metaphor for someone. All right, well, that's interesting. That's intellectually interesting as you explore that through your, your comic book uh, metaphor. But we don't have that. He continues to make these arguments, the, the entirety of which are, I want to free the lower caste. Okay, I'm for that. And if we need to break a few eggs along the way, like get rid of the royal family, okay. And if we need to put this guy, who well, I'm not entirely sure if he's a good guy to be the leader after we freed any, uh, everyone and opened up uh, all of Adeland to uh, to open and honest elections. Okay, I'm okay with that too. 
Yeah, it, it just again is is such a symptom of the larger whole. You talk about the the narrative process. I think even the design process was flawed. Uh, certainly, the product that we got half baked, and um, the way things went on the press tour to the point where before this series ended. You had questions being asked by members of the Hollywood Entertainment Press that were ignored by the production team. Um, we get it. It stinks. You don't want to revisit it, but you kind of got to stand up and, and face the music. It's similar. We were talking before we went on air here, Matt and I, about the Rotten Tomatoes uh, aggregate tomato meter score being withheld a day for justice league and some inside baseball there. You've got to have that transparent transparency. You've got to be open. Um, basically kind of the theme of this show. Look how, as Matt has identified the, uh, the Royal family was faulted. I think everybody who watched it can agree for the way they treated the lower casts. And do we know if Maximus was, was truly the villain? Yeah, we're, we have to refer to him as the villain because he does things that seem bad and he is the villain in the comics, but there's not a whole lot to go on in this show, whether he is a villain. He, he was played in a, in a gray way and, you know, because they're holding out hope of a renewal. Of course, we're not going to kill off Iwan Rion. And, uh, you know, there we are. Bye, brother. Enjoy being king of the bunker. Well, and, and that kind of is the arrogance with which the season ends, that no one has paid any kind of price other than the Inhumans who already are living this uh, segregated life, both on the moon and then the Inhuman community is segregated further, um, they lose that, which means they got to go live in Hawaii. Uh, okay. And some of them have really cool superpowers that I'm sure in this, in this um, current state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, you know, maybe they could use those powers... However, it is that powered people who are who are uh, appropriately uh, registered might go about their business. So they actually kind of have this really great vacation in Hawaii and live in a brand new world uh, of seven, eight billion people, many of whom are powered similarly at an incredibly interesting and amazing time for humanity, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's their punishment is that they have to go on vacation to Hawaii. Okay. Um, and no one, you know, I mean, no one paid the price. No one major died. People who died came back. There was never any, you know, it wasn't even in the sense, you know, Electra came back fine in, uh, in, uh, the course of, you know, from Daredevil to, uh, to Defenders, but the price was still paid, not just her life, the emotional price to her psyche, to Matt Murdock and everyone who knew her. And that reverberated out in their lives. This, you know, people died and came back. Oh, look, Triton's back. Let's hug him. That was kind of it. Pete, for me, the best episodes, the best arc, you know, as as, as tongue-in-cheek as this might sound, 
I love that pot farm storyline. It was bananas the amount of time they spent there relative to the rest of the show. But I like Ken Leong. Jen was an interesting character while she was there. It was so out there and so wacky tobacky that I just went for it, Pete. I just went for it. I have positive feelings from what we saw in IMAX where that feels tainted is in the over the air version being longer with scenes that weren't effects dependent. So I I felt like we were made to pay for a a lesser uh, product and we know how poorly that fared to the point where IMAX has publicly pondered if they're going to do something like this again, it's not going to be with first run entertainment, um, TV entertainment that they're going to explore or continue to explore. They had previously taken, uh, games of Thrones, game of Thrones episodes and run them, uh, in IMAX and, and made money with that. Um, and obviously the IMAX money, paid for things with this production, but I don't think for enough. And I'm going to agree with you. What, what worked for me were those middle episodes where it was grounded on earth and they were at least trying to tell a story in the setting they were at. And yeah, you went away to the moon and the the stuff going on with, with Maximus and the genetic council and everything there. Um, but it it felt grounded for a little bit. The the portions where it went back to the moon for for extended episodes, particularly the finale, just did not work. It is interesting that they 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 found their humanity, no pun intended, but we were able to explore their humanity and who they were as people uh, on Earth. <laughs> it's almost like if you did this alternate season where the entire time they were simply on Earth. If you could start with where season two has left off where, where they're kind of abandoned there now need to make their way through. I mean, you could have had some genuinely funny stuff, you know, like learning to drive a car or, you know, things like that where it's a bit more lighthearted or certainly where we are more sympathetic to them. To me, if there was a worst moment though, it was in, in those final moments when they have their brand new space clothes that they've gotten from where because they just stepped out of this disaster <laughs> the space luggage the royal space luggage matt duh well yeah one does have a lower cast so that the royals can bring their uh bring their luggage uh you know and, and uh, there'll be box lunches for the uh, the former help um but it was like this refrain to these lousy costumes that now don't now don't fit because they speak to this old age, this ancient age that Inhumans had versus, oh man, there's Black Bolt and his like cool leather jacket and I don't know, acid wash jeans or something like that to be like, that's like a, that's like a $2,000 really cool guy Rodeo drive kind of outfit that he has. Cause he's the new King and he's, they've adapted and, and, and adopted earth culture ad- adapted to and adopted from earth culture. Instead, it's just like, well, let's put on redresses of our old costumes to end where we began. For me, the worst moment 
I, I have a tie, Matt. <laughs> so my worst moments, um, most prominently the unceremonious death of Dr. Declan, um, of a, of a guy in Henry Ian Cusick, uh, a, an actor we both love from lost and, and other work, uh, to, to get it in such a way and just not be dealt with. I think in a way that the story and the audience deserves then, um, Mortis and his stupid voice and his even <laughs> lamer dialogue, which you laugh, Matt. And that's the thing. I think we laughed when we watched this show with that and not in the way we were meant to. <laughs> the character is not meant to be humorous yet. All I think of in that middle portion where Mortis is, is on earth looking for them are the, the stupid things he would say and how I find them funny. Really guys, I can't believe we're not going after her. Use your plant power. One has to feel horrible for Anson Mount, a lead from hell on wheels who gets this gig and says like a maximum of, a maximus of five words throughout the entire run. I have to wonder what that meeting was like back in, I don't know, December. Hey, Anson, thanks for coming out to the, to the hotel here. Can we get, what, what kind of water do you want? You want sparkling? No, you're just going to go with the, with the, with the, um, the bottle. Great. Great. So, um, we want to have you be the star of an eight episode IMAX uh, begun rung of the next big thing in Marvel TV, but um, you're not going to talk at all. I think here's the problem. It's an interesting acting challenge. Uh, I'm reminded of uh, Rob Lowe in Stephen King's The Stand, uh, mm -hmm. mid 90s, 93, 94. Um, he that's played. not a uh, 93, um, actually 94. I'm sorry. That's not a bad comparison at all. Um, and then again, you get into a dream sequence or something like that. And we had flashbacks with the character. We saw him as a child speak, but like you got Anson Mount, man. <laughs> can, can we find ways to put him in the quiet room and have him, uh, contemplate himself and, I just said it. The quiet room. <laughs> That's my third worst moment. I, I, I wonder how much time that this show was supervised by Marvel TV. I think of how literate and verbose and current Jeff Loeb was about particulars of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at New York Comic Con. Off the top of his head, off the cuff kind of moments. Um now granted that's had these longer arcs where even if you're not involved in day-to-day -day production you can be like you know oh man the all all the stuff with ada you know like that can be summarized a bit easier because she was in probably 18 episodes so so you can have a clearer picture even if you're taking a quick survey that said who was looking at this footage as it came back from the very able anson mount who simply did not have an interesting hand language 
um, early on. 50 pages, Matt. 50 pages of hand language. And what does it boil down to? Rock fist with paper hand covering fist in the final episode. (laughs) Furthermore, like, like, narratively, the fact that he... The fact that whenever he was having a dialogue with someone who spoke sign language, um, they would need to speak twice as much. Like, there's a writerly solution. Look, he has the talk belt. So now when he signs, simultaneous to that, it says, we should go attack Maximus. That kind of thing. So you don't have Medusa saying, family he says that we must go attack maximus yes i agree no not i you i me i agree with you you agree with me i agree uh, you know and this like weird two-sided one person conversation you could have written your way around that um but they chose not to i just think there were so many ideas that are connected with these beloved comic characters that never came to fruition as much as i appreciated i think you appreciated karnak still really up in the air as to what this tv character's powers are (laughs) (laughs) and how did they get fixed kind of i feel like i'm clear in the end that he has instant redo powers that is proven by all the episodes except for when he's lost at somewhere in episode one and two when he's lost and now it appears to be a gps but with the exception of that it appears to be consistent that either it's in reality or in in time it is a redo or in that instant he can see how it's going to play out and then the rewinding effect is actually him saying wait a to b to b hold on that's a bad idea we need to start with one instead of a yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of a lot more flaws, obviously. And again, you know, we wanted to enjoy this. That we were there that first night in IMAX. I I think with very few people, um, like a lot of those shows, uh, illustrates how much we wanted to give this show a chance. You can listen to all of our stuff and uh, determine while yes, we'll be the first ones to tell you we have a, a, a Marvel bias. We attempt to call it as, as fairly as we can see it. And, you know, I, I think we're going to look back at this as, as being the lowest point in uh, a pretty successful time with Marvel TV as they're steaming towards this week a 200th episode someplace. I'm going to have to pinpoint who, who exactly gets it. I think it's worth mentioning that uh, TV by the numbers, looking at things purely from a uh, mathematical point of view, they consider in humans a toss up for a second season, given that it, it's low ratings are still slightly above what is considered to be the line of demarcation for a Friday. Um, That said, I have a hard time believing that ABC is going to self-fund eight more episodes when they paid for six out of the eight for this season. It's a different measure, and you can see where the ratings are going. And quite frankly, I think the laughing stock critically uh, for this show is perhaps outsized of 
oh, well, Marvel, you know, if, if we get 2 million Marvel fans and pull a 0.5, we can make that work financially. Fine, you can make it work financially. I think you just don't want to have a, a perceived dud out there or you don't want to green light more of what people supposedly don't like regardless of whatever financial accommodations you might make to make this uh, profitable for you on the business end. The show is a sticking point between ABC, Disney, and Marvel right now, Marvel TV. Um, I, I stand by what I said before. It's going to take a real stroke of luck for the show to get renewed, especially when you have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ahead of it, that people are anticipating this fifth season return. They're excited. That's going to be the one that's going to fight and possibly earn renewal if they don't decide on their own or kind of get the heads up like, all right, you're not going to get it. We want you to write a, a series finale and, and come to some kind of uh, fruition. I mean, if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ends and Inhumans somehow because they need something on a Friday night squeaks it out. I don't know if I want to live in an alternate universe like that. Wow, that just that just brought my mood way down. Pete, <laughs> hopefully we have some some iTunes reviews to help booster bolster my uh, my my spirits. Well, Matt, uh, one of the reviews that's going to wind up here in our hopper for the New York Comic Con exclusive Funko Pop Grandmaster we're going to raffle away on Tuesday night comes from Jerry Mann's Mercer. And the headline reads why one out of five stars enjoyed listening to all the podcasts from these guys. And then I listened to the inhumans finales review and I was immediately turned off like you were digging for race, political, etc. issues that weren't there almost like you wanted it to be that way. I hate politics, political agenda agendas, et cetera, et cetera. I tune into these podcasts. I'm reading it exactly as it's written. I tune into these podcasts to listen to discussions about my favorite American gods. I'm sure it doesn't bother you, but I will be unsubscribing from all geek podcast. I found it really disturbing that you guys would pull the race bait game on here and I'll go get my MCU podcast elsewhere. Pete, I can only laugh because a, what we do is to think about how popular culture reflects the world back. There's a reason that we don't do, the robot chicken podcast that's entertaining that's fun uh i'm sure that there are some portions of it that that also attempts to be poignant but pop culture at its best is having a conversation uh with the audience about the world around them maybe jerry would rather go watch some of those twilight zone episodes that are only about pig-faced people and hot blondes because there's no way that uh eye of the beholder is actually a metaphor for the black American experience in the 1950s, 1960s, which, by the way, it is, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, maybe he would just prefer to watch, you know, a good old classic Trek episode where, what, it's just aliens that have 
black on one side of their face and white on the other or vice versa. It's about aliens with a cool face. It's not a metaphor, you know, for, for race relations. Um, I have no doubt that despite what the sins were of inhumans in the writing room and as a production, I have no doubt that when it came time to fish or cut bait, they were absolutely trying in the last episode desperately to turn Maximus into uh, a metaphor for, shall we say, current events, given the, the way in which it was his way or the highway and he was being tempestuous and he was going to take everyone else down with him until he got his way. Um, that, to my mind, was absolutely the choice of the writer's room at the end. I fault them for not having that as a consistent metaphor. And if Jerry wants to leave us because we have thoughtful conversations about the pop culture world and how it how it does what it can do at its best which is reflect the world back to us okay well go enjoy i guess hiding your head under a rock um and not having those discussions i would tend to agree with jerry in the point that uh things should not be political but what we can't avoid as podcasters is when the creators go political and, as you mentioned, are mirroring the real world and their writing, their creation is holding that lens up for society, obviously with some differences, but with some very, very strong similarities. So Jerry Mann's Mercer, you'll be missed, but hey, maybe just not for you. If you've listened to enough of our stuff, you'd know that that was the exception rather than the rule. We do have, Matt, one other uh, review left for us. This one by Bob Keeley, um, who says the podcast was significantly better than the show. Well done, Matt and Pete. I'm not sorry to see the season series question marks end. Well, certainly kind words there from Bob and always appreciated. Uh, but Bob, who's somebody I, I dare say, Pete, particularly in uh, keeping in mind uh, Jerry's review. I don't I don't know that Bob, who is a loyal listener and somebody who we enjoy talking to. I, I don't know that on every issue of the modern day. Uh, th that I agree with Bob, or you agree with Bob. I, I won't put, I won't put your views uh, relative to Bob's, but it seems like he's able to join in on the conversation, have some fun along the way. That's always appreciated. At the end of the day, that's what we are. Uh, that's what we're here here for is to have some fun. Well, Matt, in a show that was about casts, we have absolute royalty supporting us in the good people that head to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n slash fantastic geek uh everybody who contributes gets exclusive podcast content and then there are all sorts of cast levels that you might choose to place yourself in uh but everybody is an inhuman Indeed, Pete, and this time of year where some of those uh, some of those bills do definitely occur, the annual uh, the annual things happen this time of year. Uh, the help is always appreciated. Uh, so whether you're whether you're taking a look uh, and, and passing, or whether you've been a longtime subscriber, or I guess best of all, if you uh, if you feel the spark now and check it out and uh, decide to lend a hand, it's all appreciated. 
But Pete, the best gift is always free. Why would anyone ever unsubscribe from you on Twitter? It's too much fun. How can others do so? Not you not can, unsubscribe. How can they subscribe? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K E T E L A A R nine thousand six hundred twenty four followers. Can't be wrong. While I'm personally on Twitter as looking back lost, where full disclosure, that's where sometimes I talk about the real world. Uh, you can hear just all the pop culture stuff, all the podcast stuff, all the show news, all the things that we that we like to play with. On Fantastic Geek. That's fantasticgeek.com. Email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Fantastic Geek on Twitter and Instagram as well. Pete, is there more? Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. Like it today. Pete, this Inhumans podcast will update in perhaps weeks, perhaps months, when we get news as to a second season or not. So it's not over yet. You can still look up at the moon and wonder if we shall all return. If you are listening to us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we're back tomorrow to talk Punisher. As mentioned, Pete, we have Runaways coming uh, concurrent with Punisher. We have Justice League happening this weekend. It is a fun time, as busy as it is. We're glad to be uh, to be uh, helping helping the holidays be a little bit uh, a little bit more frivolous with some of our podcast stuff here, adding some joy. That's right, Pete. Jerry might think we don't acknowledge the holidays, but we do. We have fun. With that, Pete, I will say aloha to all our listeners and give you the final word. Goodbye, brother. Brother.